Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Hallelujah. Well, it is certainly my privilege to be here. I have seen Pastor Julian and his wife, Sarah, and their their ministry and service to Dr. Cirillo for years. And I just want you to thank God for pastors that have a vision that touches the nations of this world. Just thank God for your pastors and the grace of God that's on their life. God, we give you praise. We bless you, Lord. You know, as we're here at the Come Church, and there is a call of God on your church, on your individual life, on the purpose that God put you in the earth. We're going to deal with that today. How many believe you have a purpose that God put you here to fulfill a destiny God called into existence? How many believe that about your life? Well, when you think about that, and you think about, he's talking about, I started a church from three people, and it It grew to thousands, and we opened up Bible schools around the world, and I've traveled with Dr. Cirillo for 32 years now. And I think about the called purpose of God. And back in 1981, uh, Paul Crouch, who began TBN, asked me to travel with him and launch his TBN network. And God spoke to my spirit, no, I called you to Delaware. Everybody say, Delaware? Yeah, well, that's just it. Delaware. Like, where is Delaware? And it's the second smallest state in America. We don't have a million people in the state. Our county is only about 100,000 people. The town I'm in is 15,000 people. So tell your neighbor, it's a very small place with a very big call. And one of the things that happened as my wife and I came back from Indonesia and we began the church in our living room with three people, the next meeting, two people left and there was one left. I mean, how many ever started something that got worse? It's like, we're looking down the driveway, is anybody coming? And no one came. And the only reason those three people were there is because I was feeding them, clothing them, and they lived in the house with me and they left. So I don't know if it was my preaching or the call of God on my life, but whatever it was, it sure didn't keep them with me. But after a few weeks, we started seeing miracles, and God moved, and he demonstrated in power. And within the first year, we saw one of the greatest breakthroughs, a lady that had been in her deathbed, that God had brought this other lady in and said, you've got to pray for her. I've seen God And I've heard God's done miracles. And I said, yeah, but everybody I prayed for died. I really don't think you want me to go and pray for this lady because we'll be calling a funeral before you know it. And she goes, no, you're the last hope. I said, no, God's the last hope. It's not me. I'm hopeless. Everyone I lay hands on, they've got a month to live and they're gone in a day. Have you ever felt like, you know, what you do just isn't working? Anybody ever been there? I mean, I, so they take me into this hotel room, and this, this hospital room, rather, and, and the husband says, you're a pastor? I said, yeah, that's what they call me. He goes, well, get out. I said, well, I'm here to pray for your wife. He said, don't you dare. 
I've already flown my children in for the funeral, and I've used the entire insurance expenses that we're going to collect on her death to bring them in. Don't you pray. I said, oh, this is going good. So I said to the lady, I said, you want me to pray for her? Her husband's forbidding me in the room. She goes, I brought you to pray. I said, oh, my father. So I'm, I'm standing at the door. The lady's on a breathing machine, on a kidney machine. She's down to about 70 pounds. She's about maybe 12 hours before she meets the Lord. And, and I feel this strength inside my spirit. And here come the orderlies to escort me out of the hospital because she, her husband called security just to make sure I wouldn't pray for her. So I said, God, it's now or never. So I went into that room, laid hands on her. I said, God of heaven, manifest yourself. Show you are God in power. The security came in, grabbed me by the arms and said, you are out of here. I've got it taken out. I said to the lady that took me, I said, I told you they didn't want me to pray. She goes, no, but you did what God said to me he's going to do. I said, I, well, praise God. I believe God. Next week, I found out she was disconnected from all the equipment, supernaturally healed. She went 12 and a half years after that in Presbyterian church after Presbyterian church, testifying with the power of God that manifested. She had no cancer. Her lungs restored. Her kidneys restored. Her body restored. And I, I said, my God, why did you have it so difficult he said, do you think I do it when it's easy? And then I looked back at the scriptures and I looked at Moses and you've got the army of Egypt coming up against him. You've got the Red Sea before him. Impossibilities. And God shows his strong arm of salvation. You've got Daniel and he's, he's not got the lions dead. They are hungry and he spends the night in the lion's den and comes out the next day. And, and you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and you think, surely God would have taken out the fire, just blew it out. But that's not how it works. Tell your neighbor, that's not how this works. He shows up in the fire. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I'm so accustomed to the fire, I think it's my friend. I get so accustomed to the conflict, I think that's what I'm called to. I get so familiar with controversy. I, I believe that my highest, greatest call is to the greatest conflict and controversy of life because somehow God has a purpose to put us in conflict and controversy to show his great grace and his high call. And today I want to talk to you about that. The high call of God on your life. The church grew from three people to 350. Within the first three years, we bought up a $4.5 million property. And the, the owner of the property said, I need a million dollars in cash. And I said to him, I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy this property. He goes, put a million dollars here. He was a cantankerous, tobacco-chewing heathen. And he spit on my shoe. I mean, he didn't spit in the spit too. And he went, on my shoe. 
And I said, Mr. Weiner, I want you to know I'm going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. He goes, put a million dollars right here. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You'll have a million dollars there, but I'm taking the building today. He goes, you got a million dollars? I said, no, but I got a deposit on it. He said, what's your deposit? I said, don't worry about it. Just put me in the building and you'll get your deposit. He put me in the building. I came with my deposit. It was $50,000. He goes, what is this? I said, it's called a deposit. <laughs> After a year, he said, you've got one year to come with a million dollars. I am 60 days to the end of that year. I've got no money. Have you ever been with no money? Anybody? I mean, like, no money. I'm in a building. They're going to throw me out. And I'm saying to God, God, what are you doing? He said, invite 20 people to your living room. So I invite 20 people to my living room. One of them, I'm paying their electric bill every month. The other one, I bailed out of jail twice for shoplifting. And what I hear in my spirit is they are each going to give $20,000 in the next 30 days. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, when I tell them this, they're going to think I'm crazy. Well, of course, I, I got born again in the mental hospital when I was in my teen years. So, I mean, I, I'm used to being crazy. So, I, you know, by the, I have a certificate of sanity just in case you didn't understand that I... I got that when I was 18, so I'm certified sane. You could read that later. But anyway, here I am. I, I'm, I invite these 20 families in, and I say, I've got good news for you. They say, well, what is it? I said, you are going to each manifest $20,000, and you're going to stand up tomorrow in church, and you're going to ask the church to match what you give. They said, what? The one that I'm paying the electric bill, they said, you're paying my electric bill. Where am I getting $20,000 from? The one that I bailed out of jail that was arrested for shoplifting, she goes, I need the money for court fees. I said, listen, I'm telling you, I'm not talking about what I can do. I'm talking about what God can do. I'm talking about what God has spoken, what God has called. I'm not asking you for what you can do. I'm asking you for what you can receive from God. Every one of them shared how God had moved and their life was transformed and how God had demonstrated. And they said, you know, if God does it, we will give it. I said, that's all I'm asking. So let's stand before the church. And so they, they stood up and, and the church committed to give $800,000 all total. Now I've got commitment of $800,000. And within 30 days, every one of those 20 families, by supernatural means, God manifested $20,000 in their hands. And supernaturally, the church matched it. But I needed a million dollars. And I go to the settlement. The bank is the bank manager, supervisor's there, the president of the bank. And we got all these people sitting around in my one of the fellows that's in my church is a realtor, and he, and he said, Gary, where's your other 200000 I said, well, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice today. So we sat down at the table, and the president of the bank, he's about to loan us $3 million. And he said, you don't have 
all the money? I said, no. But around this table, we have it all. The president of the bank says, uh, Reverend Whetstone, I, I am not loaning you $200,000, and neither am I giving it to you. I said, well, then you're excluded. <laughs> I went to the next person. They said, he's a realtor. He said, I don't have the money. I'm getting commission. I said, you're excluded. Go to the next person. They said, I came here as moral support. I am not financial support. I said, you're excluded. Go to the next person. They were excluded. The person sitting next to me comes down to one person left. And I looked at the person. I said, well, you're the last man standing. God must be doing a miracle with you. He said, I don't have $200,000, but my signature is worth it. So what I'll do, I will guarantee $200,000 if you pay $20,000 a month in the next 10 months. Now my entire income is about $18,000 a month. Now I'm going to pay an extra $20,000 a month plus a mortgage payment. And I said, I'll take it. So we had the money. And then it's up to God. We paid that building off. Everything has been debt-free now for over 20 years. And God manifested himself because there's a call of God on that assembly. Every Saturday, we give away 40,000 pounds of food. We serve 1,000 families every Saturday that come in. There are more people in our church on Saturday than on Sunday. There's over a 1,000 people that come receiving food. We minister to every man, every woman, every child. We have warehousing and walk-in freezers, refrigerators, refrigerated trucks. We have 250 to 300 volunteers working every Saturday, just meeting the needs of the communities. Every prison, every outreach, every nursing home, every area of the community is reached by somebody. Because there was a call. There was a call. Tell your neighbor there's a call. And it wasn't about a building. It was about the people God wanted to reach. It was about the light God wanted in darkness. It was about penetration that God wanted to bring liberation in. And so we found that there was a, a grace on our life that had we didn't have it. We still don't have it. But we've got a God that owns it all. And you've got a God that owns it all. And what I want to share with you today is the supernatural call of God on come church, the supernatural call of God on this house, the supernatural call of God on your individual life. And what does it take to engage that call and step out to do the extraordinary, the supernatural? What does it take to come out of your comfort zone and step into the experience of God? How do you know you can do it? How do you know what to do? How do you know that God is going to meet you there? My testimony is one that is mind-blowing to most people. I was in a mental hospital from 16 to 18 years old, totally insane. I lived in an isolation ward, having electronic lobotomy to remove the front portion of my lobal brain. I was a guinea pig of the government for an experimentation. I got born again at 18 years old, and I escaped from the mental hospital. That's why I've been on the run ever since. That's why I'm over here, and I 
I just don't want anybody to know where I am, so don't let anybody know I'm here. You know, I, I've been on the run for years. But right after that, I got a clean bill of mental health miraculously. After I was gone for a few months, I escaped. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He always makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So here I am. I get born again, and I didn't know what born again meant. I didn't know what saved meant. I thought Jesus was a cuss word. I had no idea what happened to me. So I went to the church that the guy led me to the Lord, and they threw me out of the church. They told me, we don't have your kind around here. So I quit church. How many ever just quit church? Oh, man, you ought to just quit church. You ought to be the church. Don't, don't go to church. Be the church. The gates of hell don't prevail against the church. Be the church. Uh, so I, I don't ever go to church. I am the church. So that way I, I bring the church with me everywhere I go. So my wife and I get married to each other. 19 years old. She's 18, and I have to be certified by the government to get married because I lost my identity. I had no humanity, no identity, so I had a three-panel judge certify me sane. Then my wife had to be certified sane to marry me. How many of you could have used some certification when you got married? All right, so anyway, so, so we go through this life, and it is just nothing but God, how'd you do this? I get married and I take off in engineering and the next thing I know, my wife wants a divorce. I did drugs again and all this torment came back in my life. And I'm like, my God, I lost my wife. I lost my children. Everything is tormenting me again. My mother says, Gary, you got demons in you. I said, I don't know what they are, but it sounds better than what I know about because I know going back to the mental hospital is no trip. I got spirit-filled, got delivered, and my wife and I got remarried again to each other. We're now married 46 years with nine months off for bad behavior. So I know what it's like to be in an environment that seems impossible. But yet there's a call of God that God wants to manifest through you. There's an utterance of God that God wants to fulfill through your life. And everything in your life is lined up against you. Everything is stacked up against you. I grew up in Delaware. I was born in Delaware. I got in every trouble you could think about in Delaware. My brother became a habitual criminal in Delaware. Life was miserable in Delaware. And our church is three miles from the mental hospital in Delaware. So I haven't come very far in life. I just came down the street three miles. Sometimes you don't have to go far to be a miracle of God. You just have to be the miracle of God where you are. And that's what I want to share with you today, that you're the miracle of God right where you are. You're the called of God right where you are. You don't have to go out and do great exploits. you got exploits right where you are. I want you to take a look at the scripture here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want you to see a scripture. We're going to read a few of them, then we're going to pray. It says in verse 19, or verse 9, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9, it says, Who hath saved us, this is Jesus, and called us with an 
holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. When? Before the world began, before the beginning of time. Now, something happened in God, and I want you to hear this in your spirit. Because here I am, a mental patient, a divorcee, bankrupt, frustrated, disgusted, busted, known in the papers as the outlaw family, the one that gets the headlines of the last major gun battle, the last major drug trade, the last major massacres that happened. Our names were known in town. We were known by everything that could go wrong. We were in it. We were the last of the last of anybody ever thinking anything good would ever come out of a whetstone family. And here is God. Before he ever said heaven, before he ever spoke earth, before he ever said let us make man in our image, he called. Before he ever said sun, moon, stars, before he separated the waters, he called you. He didn't call you when you were born. He called you before he created anything. He spoke the calling of God that has been a determining directive in your life before he ever said heaven, earth, creation. And he didn't give you your ability He gave you the call and grace to do it. Not your grace, his. Not your life, his life. So you face impossibility. You face insurmountable odds. You face the conflicts that make everything look like this is not going to work. You've got to be crazy to even step out and act in this dimension. But what they don't know is I know the calling of God. What they don't know is that God has spoken and his script is written. What God had said, not sin nor the enemy can rewrite. There is no power from hell to earth that can change the script of what God had spoken before the foundation of the world. And what he spoke is you. He didn't speak about you. He didn't say this would be good for them to do. He said, this is why I separate them from their mother's womb, to reveal my son in them so they can manifest what I spoke about them. So here you are, one Sunday, listening to an ex-mental patient who's still on the run from America, That's why I've traveled all over the world with Dr. Cirillo. Nobody knows me, so I'm happy. I come back to Delaware. None of the people that I knew that I grew up with come to our church except one person. The last thing they want to do is hear from me because they heard from me before. Most of them were in the drug culture because of me. I, I had one lady come in the altar call. When we first started our church in the building we're in, it seats about 1,300, 1,500. And she said, I hate you. I said, well, you're not the first, but why do you hate me? She goes, my son's a drug addict because of you. I said, I'm so sorry. She goes, not only that, but he's dead. I said, there's nothing I can do about that. 
But one thing I can do is I can get that bitterness out of your life. I can get that judgment out of your life. Have you ever been in a place where everybody knows everything about you? And everything that could go wrong that did go wrong is all known about you. And you have a call of God on your life. And the only way it's going to be manifest is by the grace of God. It's not going to be manifest because you figured it out. It's not going to be manifest because you got some secret sauce somewhere that you've got it in your back pocket. You can pull it out and make it happen. It's going to manifest simply because God spoke. And because God spoke, so what that the enemy tried to take you out, take you down, make a disgrace of you? Didn't he do that with Paul? Wasn't Paul one who breathed out threatenings and consented to the death of those who served the way? Wasn't he one that was set adverse against the gospel of Jesus? Wasn't he called the chiefest of all sinners? And yet here's God, and he has a call on a man that is supernaturally sent, but his history is so contrary to what God spoke. And you may be here today and you're thinking, but my life, in comparison to what I hear in my spirit, what I have a dream for, what I perceive God is saying, is so contrary to what God is speaking to my life. When I look at my life, it is not even close to what I hear in my spirit. When I consider who I am in this present time and that which I'm hearing in my heart and I look at my circumstance, I look at the family, I look at the finances, I look at the environment and I say, God, you gotta be kidding. Why would you put this in my heart when it is the most impossible of environments for you to fulfill what you spoke? That's the way God proves himself as God. You see, God does not prove himself as God when everything works out. The story of Daniel is not really known about him being a governor. It's really known about him in a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's not known about their, their great conviction for God. It's known about the trial of fire and the fourth man in the fire that shows up. When you think about Moses, you you think about Moses and how he was a deliverer and how he considered the, the suffering of the Israelites. And then you think about the Red Sea. Why? Because God uses contrast to reveal himself. God always uses adversity to reveal the power of his delivering grace. When you look at the Bible and you think about Peter getting delivered out of prison, tell your neighbor, but he had to be in prison to get delivered. How many of you would have prayed, God, keep me from it? No, 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 no. God delivered him in it. Paul and Silas, we read the story. At midnight, they sang praises and worshiped God. And God sent an earthquake and the chains were broken and all the doors were open. But did anybody leave? No. Why? Because the purpose was a jailer was set to be saved. The salvation of his house was the priority of God. And Paul and Silas walk out and they minister to the jailer and his family. Because in contrast, in controversy, in conflict, God shows his more than conquering nature. God shows his call in adversity. He doesn't show it 
in agreement. You don't wait till things line up before you take the next step. God always manifests the next step in an adverse environment. So you start thinking, well, how would I know? How would I know what God's saying to me? How would I know what he spoke before the foundation of the world? How would I know what my life is destined by God to manifest? How would I know what my next steps are? How would I know whether I'm to just say, that's done, my wife and marriage is over. There's another woman in line for me. The pastor I was with, the leaders I were with, they all said, Gary, your wife is the last person on earth you should marry. She divorced you. She hates you. I said, yeah, that's true. But isn't that how God proves his love? While we're yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Isn't that how God is? That even when we are enemies in our mind by wicked works, he reconciled us? Didn't God do it without us? So we become aware of how awesome he is and he made a way for us where there is no way. So I remember when I, I said to them, I said, no, phase my wife. They said, do not kid yourself. You are divorced. I said, maybe the law says I am. But I heard in my spirit, she is your wife. Oh, my father, the pastor, the leaders, the elders, everybody was against me. My parents said, I won't tell you what they said. But I'll tell you one thing. What God spoke is what we live. What God called, what God called. I want to read another scripture to you. Because I believe that the word of God is alive, it's sharp, it's active, it divides asunder spirit and soul, it traces out every thought and intent of the heart. Because the call of God is on this house and on your life individually. Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to just let these sink inside your spirit. It says in verse 11, In whom we have obtained an inheritance. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. Everybody say predestined. So my life, your life, is not made up of choices. Sure, we make choices. But our choices do not determine what God spoke. What God spoke, he spoke. And he didn't speak it because of the situation you're in. He spoke it before the foundation of the world. He predetermined the counsel of his will, and he determined to bring an orchestra to play when you step in your place of your calling. Your calling is not similar to your circumstances. As a matter of fact, it may be so controversial to your circumstance that it's only to be God that manifests it. And here's God. And he's going to orchestrate things. We love this scripture. Romans chapter 8. This will be the last one I read before we pray. Romans chapter 8. It says in verse 28, and we know, just tell your neighbor, we know, not we believe, but we know 
all things work together for what? Good. To them that what? Love God who are the called according to his what? Purpose. Now it's one thing to love God. It's another to know the call of his purpose. And this morning, the purpose I'm here is the call of God on your life. There is a supernatural voice of utterance that has been spoken. Some people awaken to it at 12. Some people awaken to it at 72. Some people awaken to it at 42. No matter when the person awakens, the fact is there is a call on every person's life. There's a unique, specific utterance that is designed. As a matter of fact, God raised Jesus from the dead and seated you together with him in heavenly places so that he would manifest the works before ordained for you to walk in. Everybody say, it's already set up. It's already spoken out of his mouth. And he's already got an orchestra playing. As a matter of fact, when I went around that table at the bank, it was already set up. The first step was invite the 20 people to my living room. The second step was to have them stand in front of the church. The third step was to take the action, go to the boardroom, make the loan. The fourth step was at the table, recognize God has a setup. This is an orchestra playing. I just don't know who's got the oboe today. I don't know who's playing the bassoon. I don't know who's playing the viola. I don't know who's on first violin. But I know I'm the conductor and I'm conducting this orchestra. Because God set it up. And see, when God sets it up, my God, you are set up. And there's an anointing that is on my life to break through that haze of uncertainty that limitation of frustration and inadequacy that seems to define you and says, this is all I can do. This is all I am. Look, this is where I came from. I came from a crime family. I came from drug importers from Colombia. I ran cocaine routes from Colombia when I was 16 years old. I carried a 357 Magnum, an Uzi machine gun, and C4, just in case the building was a little bit difficult for me to deal with. I'd just take it down. I was the most violent person you'd ever meet on the face of the earth. I had no regard of life or limb at all. And here's a call. Here's a call. A call. A call. Here's a call. You may be in a situation where you think, well, I wasn't that bad. You don't have to be that bad. And you can't ever get that good. Because it's not about you. It's not about your works. It's about the call. It's about what God spoke about you. It's what he uttered before the foundation of the world. It's why you are here in this generation. It's who you are to God. That's why you are here on this earth. It's what God spoke about you. 
One of the amazing things that I discovered about the body of Christ is everything Gary does, he does through his body. I speak through my mouth. I walk through my feet. I touch through my hands. I think through my head. Everything that happens called Gary Whetstone happens through my body. And you know everything that happens from Jesus Christ happens through his body. Everything that happens. Were his voice, were his feet, were his hands. And you say, but look at what I'm going through. No, look at who it is that's in you in that which you're going through. Look at greater is he that is in you than that which you face in this world. Look at the power of the blood that has washed sin, canceled curse, taken you in righteousness and made you unblameable in his sight. Look what he did in the power of his sacrifice. Look what he did in his resurrection. And because your humanity is experiencing controversy, it doesn't stop what God spoke about you. As a matter of fact, the enemy knows how to keep you at a place where you're shut down, silenced, and demeaned in life. Did you ever notice when Moses was born, they went out and they killed? Why? Because they wanted to get Moses off the scene. When Jesus was born, what did they do? They went and killed all the babies. Why? Because they wanted to get Jesus off the scene. When you come on the scene, why does all this controversy and animosity and negativity happen to get Jesus off the scene? And here's God. Raised his son Jesus from the dead and he expects his enemies to be made his footstool. And the only way to make the enemy his footstool is through you. He's not going to come from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. He already is the mighty rushing wind. He's already poured out his spirit on all flesh. The kingdom of God is within you. Out of your belly flows rivers of living water. This is not about God doing something from heaven. This is about God doing it through his body. It's all about you and now the kingdom of God within you. It's all about you and the call of God on your life. It's all about you and the work God ordained for you to walk in. It's all about you because you are the next that God has called into action. You're it. You're the light in darkness. You're the deliverer sent. You're the peace of God that passes understanding. You are the joy and rejoicing of his heart. Oh, my father. You see, today, as we go into this time of prayer, I want you to settle the fact it's not about where I've been. It's not about where I am. It is about the God who's called me, who knew the end from the beginning, who knows exactly where I am at this moment and knows he's manifesting himself at this instant of time where I am. And he always gets the highest praise in the greatest conflict. He always uses contrast to reveal himself. So don't ever think that controversy and contrast is against the kingdom of God. It is just the platform where he can be seen as God. Don't ever count yourself out because of the pressures and conflicts you face. Count they are working for me. Now, my God, I love controversy. I get excited with conflict. The more pressure there is, the greater the breakthrough God's ordained. See, I get used to 
the more pressure, the greater the breakthrough. The greater the darkness, the brighter the light. So don't ever back up from darkness. Step into it because you're the called of God to it. My God, I want to ask you a sober question. How many of you have a sense? It says we know. It doesn't say we believe. It says we know. God operates in dimensions. This dimension is an internal knowing that all things work together. For, do you know my history works for me, not against me? Do you know that everything I've been through in life is now a testimony and not a tribulation? Every sin I've ever committed works for me, not against me. Because my God, I can identify with people bound in sin. I've got no problem saying I've been there. But one thing I know for sure, and that is there's a call of God. How many of you know it? I want you to stand up. Stand to your feet. We're going to take a time of prayer. Because I believe this message comes with manifestation. It doesn't come with just a statement. It comes with manifestation. And the call of God is critical. If you want to hear that voice so clear, so distinct, and act on it with such accuracy, I want you to step forward right now. We're going to pray. If that's you, and you're saying to God, I want to hear that call so clear, so distinct, and act on it with such accuracy. I want you to come forward. We're going to pray. Just come. If you want to hear that call so distinct, so accurate, that you act on it without variation, without dysfunction, that fear bows to you, that intimidation bows to you, that history runs from your life, that you are fearless in the face of adversity. You stand up where everyone else sits down. You want to hear that call so clear. I want you to come down from the balcony. Come down, everybody, that we're all called. Every single one of us are called. Every single one of us are called. Every single one of us are called. We would not have arrived here without a call of God. We're just not the product of mom and dad. We're the product of the call of God, Paul writes, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I knew that why I was here had nothing to do with me had everything to do with the life of Christ in me. The call of him speaking about me. Just lift up your hands right now in abandonment of surrender. You lift up your hands and acknowledge that you, God, have called me. I want you to say with me, you, God, have called me before the foundation of the world. My environment my history, my works have nothing to do with what you spoke. I am the called of the Lord. 
before the foundation of the world. I know you orchestrate. You move everything into the pathway to fulfill the high call of God in my life. So, Father, I press for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. My God, I press, I press for the prize of the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus because I'm called before the foundation of the world. You spoke me. You ordained me to function in your calling. Oh, go ahead and seek him right now. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless you.